My time is yours. I was the last man standing. Welcome to another episode of Vicious Circle, and we are lucky enough to have Barry Norman back again. So, Sid, Barry, how are you guys doing? I'm great. Doing good, Ron. How are you doing today, kid? <laughs> Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to go. I, um, I'm anxious for this one because uh, just talking about it has got thoughts going through my head. We were we were last talking about your book, and uh, Barry came up with the idea, and I love this idea. The book is written now. Who are you getting to play you, or actually anybody in the cast, during the movie of your book? Well, we have been able to talk about this one. We're, we're the, you know, we've got to have someone at different ages, you know. And I think probably someone from 14 to 16 to 17, we got to have someone play that part. That's, that's probably what I'd like to target as my kid, you know, doing the hunting and fishing and doing the, doing the cops and all that stuff and then becoming a pilot. And then we can find the guy who will play the wrestling and maybe someone a little bit in the beginning, five or so. But I look, I'd be probably the most interested in who would play the 14 to 16-year-old part. Wouldn't you say, Barry? Yep, and I actually have a guy in mind. Really? Yep. Uh, the actor's name is Lucas Hedges. Uh, did either one of you see the movie Manchester by the Sea? Uh, Casey Affleck and Michelle Williams came out, uh, let's see, about a year or two ago. I know of it. I have not. I have not either. It was actually shot not too far from where I'm living now in Gloucester. Lucas Hedges uh, played uh, the, uh, the young man who was Casey Affleck's you know, uh, brother's son, so he was his, uh, his nephew. And he is brilliant in it. And not only that, he actually bears a slight facial resemblance to you, Sid. He has this absolutely intense look. Uh, he's he's just a brilliant actor, and I can absolutely see him you know, playing you. At, like I said, in, in those you know, teenage years, he's a little bit older than that now, but he still has a baby face, so he you know, he still could you know, be sixteen and seventeen. And I think he could do you no know, absolutely pull off the intensity of what people would, would know who, who, who read the book and get an idea of what your life was like then. Uh, so you know, he he's my choice. I like to see that. Rob, uh, let's see now. Who's going to play you, Rob, in the movie? Uh, if we do a movie about my podcast life, <laughs> me. Well, <laughs> Brad Pitt. Yes, Brad Pitt, of course. Brad, there you go. <laughs> I, I, I think you're going to get some more handsome than that. <laughs> Isn't he like the uh, most handsome see. person on the planet? That's that's where I would go. Well, I'll tell you what might be fair you know, to the audience is maybe you make him a luchador. <laughs> there he, the mask, yes. <laughs> the mask. Now we're talking. Well, if we're going to do that, let's make him a midget luchador. No oh, oh, yes. Now, sometimes I tell people, this is no joke. And people go for this, guys. They'll say, Nate, do you wrestle? I go, yeah, I wrestle sometimes. I have. They say, who were you? And I said, well, I portrayed a, um, a midget and I wore a hood. And they always look at me like, yeah, they got that. <laughs> yeah. I go, 
That falls back to that no one. Go ahead, Barry. He's such a good method actor. He he was able to pull off playing a midget. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, I think you're right with the midget. Because once he told me during a podcast that he was wrestling a short guy that was only six foot. I'm 5'9", so technically I would be a midget. (laughs) No, I'll tell you, that was a big deal back in the wrestling days. What the midget shows. They were pretty popular one time, you know. Well, I've, then, I've, then after that, it went to midget bowling, which I think was <laughs> They did that gimmick quite a lot because <laughs> Doink did it and Jerry Lawler did it. Yeah. You know, I always liked it. One time I wanted to play a, we actually did this in a pay-per-view in a small company in uh, Montreal, Canada. I can't remember the name of the company. We did a pay-per-view there, me and Carl Willette. And I actually had a, a midget come to the ring with us. One wanted to be this guy who were, was comparing himself to Genghis Khan, you know, the greatest conqueror of the world. And you know, history tells us about King of Genghis Khan that actually conquered a, uh, a country. Something he come in, do a big parade in front of the castle or whatever country took over, and then kill everyone. You know, and so I brought in like you know, a trade of people, this tribe of people, and I actually had a midget, and I called him my time traveler friend. And I think it's one of the best interviews I've ever done in my life at that paper dude. Now, Carl, and I'm not bragging on this, guys, but this is the truth. I told Carl this idea over the phone, and we got to it. We didn't get to do everything. We made this giant hourglass of sand, the whole nine yards. Now, we, so we sometimes laying it out of what we call in this business at Angle. This is why it's important, and I tried to do this for people, give them the right to fail or succeed, and not be one of those people that would say, no, I don't want to do that, or I can't do that. It's not good for city or sit justice or whatever. I never did that. Um, but this is the thing is, when we got that done and we was exhausted, because we, we worked on this for three days, and this is one stupid little show. It's inside an old building inside a pool. That's how small it was. But it was a pay-per-view. And um, when we got done, we were exhausted. I actually came down with my allergies. and uh, didn't have my allergies. I thought I was dying. When we got down, we were sitting there in his, his apartment that night. It was all over. He said, Sid, you're a genius. And I know it sounds cocky, but guys, I'm pretty good at that stuff. If I know something like that, like the wrestling, I think that's why I'll be, I'll be good at helping Gary with this book because I do think I have an idea for creating things. I'm anxious to see. Now, to... Jimmy, remember, remember years ago I had a, I came up with a gimmick for you? I was at this um, this costume house and, and that, that had props for films, and I found this uh, six-foot hourglass. And I came up with yeah, that. Right? Remember, you were at before every match, you're going to say, I'm going to turn this hourglass over and I'm no, going to. No, that's what I did. That's exactly what I did. I used that and not follow that angle. And what we said was this. See how I said this? Because I, um, I actually used that for the whole gimmick. If, if, um, if I couldn't beat you for that last game of sand, then, you know, if, but if I could, then that's when, you know, the, the major came in and, I, of course, we took everybody's head off. But I did use that now. We used two uh, um, five-gallon bottle of waters. We taped them together. It was pretty crappy looking. And it didn't work that well. But we had it there. That was the idea. You know what I mean? But that was, I used that. I did use that. It, 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 oh, man, I didn't know that. Because I, I, I remember when I told you about it, you said, oh, well, what a great idea. Because if there's a match, the other guy has a manager or something, and all of a sudden, oh, you have a manager or whatever. And they can, right, there's and, a million and the other, places. And the fan was going to run out, and you can turn the other thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yes, it's, that's the old Memphis stuff. And I mean, to me, that would have worked. 
That's very, very true. Especially like I, we were talking about film. When you have one person writing the story, that's great. But that story is never going to be a film. You need the team to do it. You do. And uh, you know what? This makes me think of this. Is, well, again, I'm going to run this in the ground. Is that, that country music documentary, Kim Burns. Is, Kim Burns is a really smart guy, what he does. But he took time on a, a little thing on PBS one night to you know, introduce all the people to help him. And you understand why he's so good because he's got a great team. Yeah, I'm, I'm 
Really? Pretty cool deal. Yeah, Ken Burns is a cool guy, man. Interesting. Real quick, this is off all the subject. What do you think that movie that Ken Burns is going to play Mr. Rogers? I'm anxious to see that. I've seen a trailer, and I think it looks amazing. I do, too. I don't think Tom Hanks doesn't do a bad movie, you know? I don't... Well, that, that's just the perfect role for him, because everyone thinks of him as the most vincular, and we're like, everyone's talking what a nice guy is, so who better than him to play is the person that everyone considers the nicest man ever. And um, when I still had my theater, there's a, we had a documentary about Mr. Rogers about a year ago that did really well. So I, I think the, the Tom Hanks, Mr. Rogers movie uh, is going to go off the charts. Oh, huge. No, I, I think uh, I think Mr. Rogers is one of the coolest guys. Because he's he special to me as a kid. I, I wanted a dad like that, you know, didn't have a dad. I had some stepdads that weren't that bad, but they weren't, they weren't Mr. Rogers. All right, so think of this. Talk about Tom Hanks. Maybe could Tom Hanks play me in a movie? Well, let's see. Yeah, he he about right. The thing is, stop, stop, Barry, stop, stop. Barry, stop. Now, maybe this is a challenge. Yeah, Zach. This is, this is, could Tom Hanks be such a bad actor? Could he play Sid Booty? You know, I'm internet, so okay. That goofball Sid Booty. Could Tom Hanks be, be a bad enough actor? He actually play that guy? He, he he could first of all he has he has a, if you color his hair blonde he, he you can actually make him look like you we get we get him in the gym so Tom Hanks <laughs> could actually play you although he's not great in act with accents he did the worst Boston accent I ever heard and um, uh, oh god what was that movie uh, uh, Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio so accents he's not that great so I don't know if he could if he, if he could do your southern accent but he could he could play you very give us an accent give us three accents. You, you want me to do an accent? What accent would you like me to do? I, I, I can play Russian spy and, and, and tell you that I'm listening to this phone call from uh, very far away. Oh, let's see what other accent you want me to do. I can do an Italiano accent, the one everyone thinks of the gangs of the town they like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, now, now Scotland, Scott, Scotland is actually easy. You just have to uh, talk in such a way where no can... You can understand, uh, uh, see? There we go. That's Scottish. There's <laughs> <laughs> no Sean Connery. I mean, Sean Connery playing you know, a Russian Google cap, and he still has his you know, Scottish throat very well. What is Or he plays the Irish cotton on Malone in the Untouchables. What do you prepare to do? He's the Scottish <laughs> Irish cop. Get away with that. Doesn't matter what country he's from. He's going to have his Scottish whale robe. Okay, that's fine. And just that little lisp, too. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're Sean Connery. Go ahead, say it. Right, Miss Morgan Turner. <laughs> oh, man. Well, then... thought you put me yeah. on the spot there, didn't you, Sid? Huh? <laughs> yeah, I did. I like doing it, Sid. Guys, that was the internet, Sid. That wasn't me, Sid Udy. I don't apologize for that, guys. I don't apologize to you, Barry, first of all. Um, no, that was fun. Like, that's good. good. Because you, you hit me right where another one thing that I can actually do. I <laughs> know. <laughs> You're good at that. Well, Bob, are you good at accents? Uh, oh, uh, ooh, sometimes. <laughs> Your turn. Yeah. What was That was gibberish. That I'm was fluent. Good. I'm fluent in gibberish. That one is gibberish. You are fluent in gibberish. So I got a question for casting then, because one of the pivotal people that's going to be in this film would be Eddie Gilbert, 
because he's the one that brought you uh, got you going in WCW. Who would play young Eddie Gilbert? Man, I don't know. You know, Eddie was a um, good shape, pretty handsome guy, not that big. Um, a lot of people could play him, actually. Um, Tom Hardy could do it, but he might be too old for the young Eddie Gilbert. Yeah, yeah, he might be just a little bit too big, too. But no, um, you know, I don't know. Honestly, Rob, as far as the movie goes, I don't think um, if it was a movie... And, you know, I think, I don't know this, but I think you saw this piece and said, okay, we're going to make a movie. I think we'd want some other things in there as well, probably. I think that's would probably be the, the last of the movie. I would guess, you know, okay, the book is going to, the last of the book is going to be about wrestling. The book is going to be, the last is going to be about wrestling. Because on that was just, a you know, half of my life, you know what I mean? Gotcha. No, one third or something like that. So, but, um, Wrestling is um, is also just a small part of my life too, so it couldn't be, but it couldn't be the big part of the of the book um, because it it just wouldn't be, you know. No, oh, that's good to know. I hope not. Well, this is the thing is too is that you know, um, and then there's other parts of the, of my life that won't be in the book that would be you know make good swerves for the for the movie. You know what I mean? And I think that's how most you know, other than like. The one book I read, Silence of the Lamb, you know, it was so much like the movie. When I saw the movie, I asked my wife, I said, have you seen this movie before? She said, no, it's just, I read the books so, you know, close. Because uh, the book, both books were almost just identical to the movies. Uh, and that was the only time the books were that close to the movies to me. It's very um, rare. Both of them. Do what? It's very, very rare that a book stays that close to a movie. Or, no, sorry, actually, the other way. Actually, movies I saw, I had read the books before, and... Um, I asked my wife both times. I said, "Have we seen this movie?" She said, "No, it's the first time it's been out." So again, the movies were close to the book, and so um, I would think, you know, same thing uh, that would be close to my whole life, not just a small part of it. Because guys, I would believe that you know what happened to me, or not just to me, or probably some of the movie. And a lot of those books are not going to be about me. It's going to be people like my Aunt Joyce and my great grandfather, my grandfather, and grandfather I didn't know just so much to that because those things like that guys is what make made that small part of the rest of Sid Vicious and Sid Justice and Cycle Sid was uh, bringing up was those long trips walking fishing and hunting guys and of course we laugh about that sometimes but this is true part of that is that uh, we did those long walks uh, hikes for hunting and fishing because we had to now, this is don't you I remember killing one dog one time got it home I cleaned it and I boiled it and I ate it that's how hungry I was. So that's why, you know, that that's what made me so good at wrestling, guys. I wanted to eat. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. It does make sense. It you does. It's, and it, this is, to me, I looked at wrestling and said, man, this is easy. You know, just work out, drive on the road, be with your buddies, you know, party and have a good time, whatever. And so that was the easy part, you know. It was getting there, you know. I was already, and I guess, you know, I think what we talked about so far in this podcast and the stories we talked to each other about is that that's what made me was the young part of me, you know. And that's what sort of is still part of me today. That you know, part we talked about the other day, Rob, where you said that I'm just like a regular person to you because that's the way I am. I've always told people that's all I ever want to be is I just want to be a regular person. You know, won't really be like that. And this is the reason why, and I'm not, again, patting myself in the back, is even if I never 
Oh, absolutely. You know, I wouldn't. I'm, I'm not just a normal person. I don't doubt that at all. You know. Well, well the, the one thing that's interesting that I think made you such a successful wrestler, and we talked about it, you know, on the on this podcast, is one your ability, you know, to be creative with other people. Now, the, uh, the the best wrestlers are the ones that could work not just with the booking committee, but with the person that you're in the ring with, because it's it's working off each other, and then understanding to read people, which is the crowd. So. Right. It's a, it's a cre- I mean, it's one of the things I enjoy with my position uh, at, at WCW is watching the ones that I thought is actually a form of artistry in the ring because they're able to work so well together and find out how, how to mine their character, whatever their character is. I mean, we have both those. Some of the characters are really stupid, but that doesn't mean it, it, it had to be that horrible in the ring. And I'm thinking like something like Scott Steiner. You know, his, right. his character was a, was a complete moron, but he understood the idea of his character within the context of wrestling, and he was very, very good at it. You were very, right. very good at the, at the different incarnations of, of your character, and I think the book is going to show, even for people you know, who were hoping to be more wrestling in it, wow, now I understand how he's able to do this so well, even though we're not talking about that. He can, you, know, you, you have an ability to read people, to, you know, to read you know, the, the emotional outlet, and that's what wrestling becomes, is you're trying to give people watching an outlet, and these other aspects and influences and uh, situations in your life make will make it for the for the really you know, smart person who's reading. It's not just reading to learn about all the wrestling dirt, which is not which is this is going to disappoint them. They'll understand why you succeeded, and they may understand right. why there's not that many who reach that level because it does take a lot more creativity than just have this huge physique and go in there and just pound the crap out of people. There's a, there's an artistry to the best ones at it, and just like you just said. You could have done that in a, all kinds of different uh, you know, locations and been really, really successful at it. Hey, what is it called when a person is doing a movie, he knows the camera's there, but he, and he looks at you or doesn't look at you or tell me and that's how you're writing the book? Well, I mean, the way, the way I'm writing is, is stream of consciousness. Right. Um, it, it, it doesn't quite. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I, I know what you're getting at. I, mean, so I, I don't know if you're talking about you know, the method actor who really inhabits the character, and therefore that's who they really are at that moment. And no, you're not, I, I'm trying to do that this, in some cases talk, with you. No, Barry, you were talking about uh, when a, an actor's doing a scene, he knows the camera's there, and he's not supposed to look at it, or does. Oh, okay. I, 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 I was talking about uh, uh, meta, like you were talking about. Um, uh, but, but like Ferris uh, uh, Bueller's Day Off, you know that that's an obvious case when he breaks the fourth wall, talks to the camera, and, and it's like, okay, if a character in a movie who knows is in a movie. So I did say that parts of the book, um, the way I'm thinking, is going to reflect that, right. where you're telling your story through me, and there's going to be certain parts in the book where you talking to me to write the book knows that you're that we're writing a book. So it's going to be, you know, self-aware, self-reflexive about a, a book that's being written by people who understand that we're writing a book. And I didn't want that to be, you know, completely, I mean, Ferris Bueller didn't talk to the camera in every single scene, but he did it just a couple of times to give you an idea, okay, this is kind of funny, he knows he's in a movie. And so that's why that, that part will come through in the book. Right. Does that, to me, you know, Rob, I think that's one of the coolest things about Barry's writing form. I think that's one is having all these four, different, knowing so many different writing forms, and that's what impresses me about Barry. Now we know that watching uh, this movie, but again, he knows. Again, that I think that's going to make the book. Telling all these little catches, and and then we're going to put some really cool references to music in this thing, and and some really cool stories. I think it's going to make a really good book, guys. 
I'm anxious to read it, uh, especially more and more as I listen to how you guys are describing how it's going to be. It's it's going to be so interesting just to sit down and read. No, I think it will be. I, I think it'll be too. His life is interesting, and he's a fascinating human being. And uh, well, and, and Jim, what I like about it, first when he told me the title, I was like, what a, what, what a sissy title. He said, you know, Porky and Sam. But it is like that for me, Rob. I had so many uh, points. It wasn't just one point. You know, like uh, me, Randy Pettigrew, when I was a 180-pound uh, skinny little geek, and then I turned out to be 300 pounds, and I was working with a guy I probably knew more about fitness at that time than anybody I ever met on I think that's awesome. Well, we've kind of reached no, the end too. here, guys. So uh, how about we just jump right into a question and get on with it? Okay. My time is yours. All right. And for our question, we have Jeremy from Tennessee. What have you got, Jeremy? Hey, Sid, I was just wondering, uh, about how long do you think you spent in the ring uh, for for a match? Jeremy, I'd say anywhere from about 15 to you know 22 minutes on average something like that, that would be enough to, you know, tell a pretty good story. Sometimes they'd go a little shorter, a little longer, uh, depending, you know, if it's a tag match or if there was something going on. But usually, you know, say 15 to 22 minutes, something like that was a long enough for me. Oh. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Vicious Circle Podcast. Your host, Sid Udi. Co-host, J. Robert Bellamy. Additional research by Pete Marsh. The Vicious Circle podcast was produced by Two Cousin Road Trip Media, a division of JX3 Media Productions. The intro music, Omega Amigo, was by The Shaman. All rights to the podcast are held by Sid Udi.